Yeah, I didn't come up, like all of everything I'm teaching you is not, like I, I didn't come out of my prayer closet and just have it all. I had to dig it up. I had to hear it. Um, nothing is new under the sun. The Bible tells us, you know, God, everything we teach is a revelation. A revelation is just God revealing himself. So God's been this way for eternity, and we're just now finding out, and it's amazing when we do. Um, Corey really covered equipped class, what it's meant to be. Um, I just want to say it is meant to be deeper, and so uh, if I come in and I'm ready to go, it's because I, I, I think the point is, I, I just won't apologize for it, because the point is, let's, let's go, you know, and so... Um, Disciple means learner. Comes from the word discipline. So these are all good things. And another thing is, I know we're zooming through a lot of this. It's kind of like a, it's almost like an appetizer. You know, I, I love, my favorite way, uh, the only way I've ever taught is line upon line. I just do one passage. It's kind of the way I teach. But with this, it's not so much telling you what to think as it is how to think. And so we kind of do this overview because if you can learn how to think and you can learn how to see, then not, not that you don't know how to think, but like God, more so like God, right? And so when we learn that, then I don't, we don't have, the church doesn't have to come in every situation. You can live life. And so that's kind of the point. Um, and that's what we did. Last class, we went quick. You had homework. By the way, that's just, to, just something to do in your own time. Fill it out, you know pray those things out in those different areas. Um, yep, ministry of reconciliation was last week. You are the light. Judgment was passed. Grace has come. All right. Um, yeah. Everybody doing good this week? All right. Let's go ahead. Next week is Roger. No, next week is me, but the week after that is Roger. And uh, it's going to be on the authority of like a believer and how we're kings and priests in the kingdom and it's going to be amazing it's actually the class i wanted but <laughs> roger is the baby of the house right <laughs> so he gets what he wants no i'm just kidding yeah right no it's gonna be really good all right week two living prophetically how to release last week was how to see this week was ha is how to release. We're going to go through pretty quick, all right? So uh, prophetic living is a result of having a relationship with God, okay? It's just a result. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing wild and mystic and, you know, super-duper special. It, it's just a re result of having a relationship with God. You begin to see the way he sees. You begin to read the Bible and see what he says and then prophetically declare those things, right? The gift is for everyone. So the point is so that you don't have to go to the prophet to get a word. You can go straight to the source, all right, through relationship. Prophetic living is God's way of redeeming the darkness through you, all right? That's why it's for everyone because everyone is the light. How to handle a prophetic word. I want to go through kind of how to handle a prophetic word. First thing I want to say is it's meant to be simple. It really is. It's prof prophecy is for exhortation, right? Edification, exhortation, and consolation, right? It's to build up. It's to guide, which also, I looked it up again, and it also means to draw near. So you're guiding them, but you're, where are you guiding them? To the Lord. You're drawing them near to the Lord. And then console, which, which could mean to encourage, okay? So it, keep it simple. It's simple. Prophetic words are simple. They're just building up, drawing near, or encouraging, all right? Don't make it weird. Only say what has to be said, right? Don't come in thinking I've got to give a five-minute prophecy so that, you know, maybe in, I'll get something right. No, don't do that. Just come in and say what needs to be said. You don't, you know, you don't have to, you know, go off of other words. Just even if you, like one time, I, I had a prophetic unction. I was over here, it was during the last saturation. And I, all I did was write on a piece of paper. And I thought it was so cheesy. And I, I don't really do cheesy things. But all I did was write on the piece of paper. I said, to my son, I folded it over and I put, you're doing a good job. And then I, I, I just put, 
I signed it as dad. And um, it, was, it was meant to be from the Lord. And I gave it to RJ. And I was like, I don't know what this means. I don't know if you need this, but here you go. And he just received it so well. And it just meant so much to him. And I'm thinking, this is so cheesy. You know, just do what has to be done. And, and just say what needs to be said. You know, you don't have to write a full note on there. You know, just keep it simple. Don't make it weird. Try to, now I'm not, this is not the law of prophets, by the way. I'm not, I'm not like writing the book, all right? So take, leave what you will. Don't try to stay away from, I try to stay away from, thus says the Lord. And I'll tell you why. Because prophecy is meant to be judged. So everybody has the gift, can, can judge prophecy, right? You can take it and test the spirit and you can receive it. And when you receive a prophet in the name of prophet, you receive the prophet's reward, right? If you do not receive the prophet, you do not receive the prophet's reward. So all, ju- all prophecy is meant to be judged. So wh- the reason I stay away from thus says the Lord, even though I feel like God is saying that to me, is when I, if, I say, if I say to you, thus says the Lord, this, 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 now how are you going to judge that? You can't, you can't judge that. Like you can't decide for, for yourself if you're going to trust me, right? If that's the Lord or not. And you can't take it to somebody and say, hey, I... I I got this word from the Lord and they said this, this, this. What is that person going to say? No, don't listen to God. So I'm not saying you can't say it because I know that's, it's from the Lord. I'm just, I'm just letting you know how I kind of handle it and it keeps it, keeps it weird and it um, keeps it unweird and it actually makes it more personal. So I'll say, if I go up to Cameron, I'm like, hey man, I just see you as this and this and this. And I believe that if you do this, blah, 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 you know what? I believe that about you. Now we have community. We have something to agree on, and it's more personal. So that's why I do that. Um, Sound good? Makes sense to me. All right. It must, I wrote this in all caps, must be rooted in love. Not covered by love, not on top of love, rooted in love. You see the picture? Rooted in love. It doesn't need to sound like love. It needs to be rooted in love. All right? 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is, is, is kind of really a, a big few passages for uh, prophetic ministry and stuff. And uh, we all know chapter 13. But 12, it's interesting because we kind of we all think of it. Uh, I don't know if you know this verse, but 12, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, right? Well, if you look... It should be, the gifts part should be italicized because it's actually not in the original. It actually says, now concerning the spiritual, like world. Now concerning the spiritual, I don't want you to be unaware. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, right? And then he goes through this thing. He talks about prophecy and all these gifts, okay? So 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is telling us, look, there's a spiritual world and you need to take part in it because you're in it, all right? But then in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, but if you don't have love, you've got nothing, right? If you, and, and we know these verses, love is patient, love is kind. We use them all the time for other meanings. He's actually talking about the spiritual realm. Very interesting, right? I mean, you can use it for, you know, weddings and stuff. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the context of that passage is right in the middle of two 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 chapters where he's talking about the spiritual world and spiritual gifts and prophecy and how it edifies the church and all this. But right in the middle, kind of like the cream to the Oreo, he says, it's got to be in love. And if it's not love, you're wasting your time and it will bear no fruit. All right, so it's got to be rooted in love. Do not force your words. Do not force your, your prophecy on somebody. Okay, God will give you an audience if he can trust you with the word. No, this is, this is good because this is good. This is something I've, I've learned, and I don't always hear it preached, uh, this next part. I, when you get a prophetic unction, there's been so many times I've been here on Sunday and got a prophetic word, and it wasn't, it wasn't time to release it. I, I didn't run over to the microphone, and, and I'm not saying that's bad. Those are good because I've released words from, you know, up here too. I'm just saying 
It's been multiple times. But when you get that, if it's not time to release it, or you don't get the opportunity, the audience, pray it. Do not let it go. Pray it. Pray it into the atmosphere. Speak it in the atmosphere. Release it during worship, whatever you have to do. All right? I just stumbled upon that by myself. The Lord really convicted me. Stewarding the word. Okay, that's what that is. You're stewarding the word. Okay? You get this download. You get this prophetic unction, this feeling, this word. And then you say, okay, is this something I can release from the stage? No. Okay, well, I'm still going to steward it. It's still worth something, and I'm going to release it, all right, into my prayers. I had this uh, a vision and, and kind of a word that I gave to Cameron. Um, I live with Cameron, by the way, guys. Uh, Cameron Anderson right here. He's a good man. Uh, I had this awesome vision a while back, and this is what kind of changed the way I saw it, was um, I just saw him creating this cloud of prophecy, and it was just like a bank of prophecy. And it would go up and then just create this cloud. And then it would release into the atmosphere. And so it was like you were storing up these prophecies, right? And then you can, and releasing them. They're releasing into the heavenly realm, right? Because this is not, you know, like Paul said. I, I don't want you to be aware of the spiritual. There's a spiritual aspect of what's going on. All right. Prophesy in private. This is not most prophets' favorite instruction. Most, most prophets want to be on, in the front. They want to be on the camera. They want everybody listening because they've got a word. Prophesy in private. David led worship in private before he ever built the tabernacle. Okay. Storing them lets them work on your heart and edifies your soul. Hearing them come out. Not just, it's not just, you know, oh, you need to hear this. You know what? You need to hear what you're saying as well because you need to let those words work on you. You know, you can, you can get something from any word. I can give a word to Hannah and, and Polly can take something and, that she heard and, and grab onto it because it's filled with life, right? So when you release those prophecies in private, you're prophesying over your city, you're prophesying over your children, you're prophesying over your church, releasing those words, it, it builds up and in, in it, it edifies you as well. Where was I? And, and the point of that is because you will release the kingdom around you that you have within you. You will release outside of you, around you, what is inside of you, right? Your prophecies begin to change when you take them to heart. You'll notice that you hear, when you hear yourself prophesying, almost like practicing, you, your heart starts to change. You say, you know what? I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to receive that word. Is that really from the Lord? And you test it and you check, you know, check it out. It's just like anything else. You're practicing and your heart begins to change. Acts 15, or Acts 5.15, Peter, the apostle, uh, yeah, Peter, they say, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, basically it says that he would walk down the street and his shadow would heal people, right? Whatever's within you will be released around you, okay? The kingdom within you will be released around you. Whatever ov overshadows you will be released in your presence, Prophecy, like all gifts, is made to draw you close to the Lord. There is a call to anyone, especially those who want to be prophetic. There is a call to the secret place, not just the stage. There's a call to you to the secret place. The secret place is where you get to study the Word, capital W. You get to study Jesus in the secret place. That's where you're called to. You're not called to just the stage. You're not called to, you know, the conference room at work, to everybody to be quiet and listen to you, okay? You're not just called to those things. You're called to the secret place. It's for a relationship, all right? James 1.22 talks about how the word is a mirror telling us who we are, right? John 1.2, 28 through 3.3 3 
shows us how in the secret place we see him and we can know him. And when we see him, we will be like him. You're called to this. You're called to seek his face. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by name, my name will pray and what? Seek my face. It's not so you can pray. It's because he wants you to seek his face. He's calling you to himself, calling you in. Use prophecy as a chance to draw near. It's a good word. Matthew 6, 23, the eyes are the gateway to the soul. He's calling you to see his face. When you see him, you'll be like him because your eyes are the gateway to your soul. I'm just, I'm encouraging you. There's nothing better you can do for prophetic ministry than spend time in the secret place. And when I say that, I mean time with God, not in front of anybody, not where anybody's gonna know. It's just you and the Lord. You have been invited to a relationship with God. It's all about his presence. That's what the veil was torn for. That's why Jesus came. It wasn't to give you something to do. It was, it was to draw you in to his presence. All right? Matthew 23, 26 talk, talks about how the ministry happens from the inside out. Jesus comes to the Pharisees and he says, you wash the outside of the cup, but you need to be washing the inside of the cup, Right? Because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you go into the secret place, God can, you can create an atmosphere within you that you can release around you. That's being prophetic. Is it good? No? I think it's good. If your heart isn't full of him, you're releasing something else. We'll leave that there. Tim Ross, one of my favorite preachers, gave this amazing illustration. He said, you know, ministry comes out of the, the prayer closet and the secret places. This is exactly what I'm talking about. He said, it goes from your prayer closet where you're alone into your bedroom between you and your, your spouse, into the living room where your family is, and then out the door where the world is. That's how ministry happens. It will not happen because you stand up here and give a word. Prophesy in, in private. That's the best thing you can do to, to build your prophetic ministry. Next point, ask for words. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 both say to desire and seek that you would prophesy. Ask God. Ask him for it. Ask him for the gift. Earnestly desire them. That's when he blesses you. All right, three place, th there's three places I want to talk about uh, where we kind of end up prophetically. We doing good still? We still alive? We need some noise in here. Come on. Yeah. All right, Elijah and the widow, 1 Kings 17, 1 through 16. Okay, 1 Kings 17, 1 through 16 says, awesome story. Uh, Elijah, yeah, let's just go there. Oh, we're going to go there. Y'all like Elijah? I love Elijah. He's one of my favorites. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain for for rain for these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him saying, now this is God saying to him, go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith where, which is east of the Jordan and it shall be that you will drink of the brook that I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So, th so he went and did accordingly uh, to the word of God and he went and lived by the brook Cherith which is the east of the Jordan and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he could drink, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while, somebody say after a while, that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Okay, this is the first stop right here. You, we sometimes, we get a prophetic word, and we go where God told us to go, right? And then we're there, 
and it's life and it's happening. The ravens are feeding us. The brook is, is giving us water and then it dries up. Right? Okay? Stick with me. So this is kind of, we're going to keep going. So the brook dried up. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. How many know he's probably thirsty? His water source has run out. He's, he's getting desperate, right? So he's like, so he goes to God. So the first place we see him is, is he goes, he hears the word Lord, goes there, and the brook dries up. All right? Why? This happens to us prophetically because we get this unction, we get this guidance, we get this word, we know where we're going, and we go there, and we're like, this is amazing, and then it dries up. And what happens is we're so stuck on that word, we stay. And we don't, and we, we try to, you know, let's dig deeper and, you know, Find some water and let's, uh, I don't, you know, whatever you would do there. And so, he, you know, we, we kind of don't move on. We stick on this old word. But God has called you to a relationship. Don't you think God knew that that water was going to dry up? He, he knew that. And so Elijah goes to God and gets a new word. You're called to this new, a new word sometimes. Sometimes you've, you've, you've exhausted the old word. You've exhausted that season. And God is calling you to a new word. And so what happens is he gives Elijah this word. Well, go to this gate, go to this city, and there will be a widow there. And so I'm sure Elijah's like, well, I know the Lord. She probably has a buffet set up for me. She's probably got all kinds of servants that are just going to serve me, all this stuff. The Lord's gone before me and told me there's a widow there. All right, so he goes to the gate, sees the widow. Please go get me water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand as well. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, she turned around and says, look, I'm not lying to you, all right? I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in a jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go, prepare for me and my son that we may eat and die. Right? A little dramatic. So he goes to this lady and he's like, he has this word from the Lord to go talk to this lady. And he shows up and she's like, look, man, I got no bread. I got nothing. I'm actually gathering these sticks so I can go and I don't even know what she's preparing. She says, prepare. It's kind of creepy. I'm going to go and prepare so me and my son can die, right? So she's like, look, I've got nothing. So God gave Elijah a word to go to this widow who had nothing. But he told her he was going to get water and he was going to get food, did he not? He told him where his supply was, did he not? Okay, we're moving, we're moving. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it, for, from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards, you may make one for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to what Elijah and she said, the word of Elijah and she and she and he and her son ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor the jar did the jar of become of oil become empty according to the word which the Lord had spoken through Elijah. Yay, right? Okay, so what happened? He got sent to this place where, there, where it seemed like there was no provision. But in these seasons, sometimes, there's gonna be three, okay? And you might pertain to one of them. Sometimes your, your faith cannot be in the widow. It has to be in the word. God said that he was gonna provide. Your faith cannot be in the widow. Because when you show up and the widow's like, look, I got no food, you'll get discouraged and you'll go home. So you've got to stick to that word. You've got to move forward in that word. So Elijah had to give another prophet. He had to go with that word. No, no, no. God said there is going to be pro provision in this, pl in this place. So go and make 
Go ahead and make a cake, and it's, go- it's not going to stop. You're going to have, a, a miracle's going to take place. Right? You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Okay. So, sometimes we're in these prophetic places where our faith must be in the word, not the widow. We get to the river and it dries up and we move up and we don't move to the next word, okay? First of all, if it's a time to get a new word, get a new word. I'm not saying there has to be a new word. I'm saying ask the Lord if there is a new word, right? So it's a relationship. And then when you get to the gate, stick with the word if you know it's true, okay? There's these times in our, and prophetically, I'm talking about your life, okay? It could be anything in your life. You, you've, you've, I would like to say, you've probably done things, okay, who has looked back on their life and been like, God was ordering my steps and I didn't even know it, right? Okay, prophetically, you were moving in God's plan and and you didn't even know, okay? Okay, you see what I'm saying? So, yes, I forget what I was going at. So, yeah, stick to the word. That's what I was going to say. So we get up there and the widow has no food, but you stick with it because you know God has called you to the widow for a reason. Don't put your faith in her and she will be able to see what God ha- ha- does through you and she can put her faith in God. You see, God calls us prophetically to the widow just as much for her sake as he does for yours. See how that works? He calls you sometimes to a dry place so that you can deliver the word knowing what God is going to do, not just for your sake. It wasn't just so Elijah could, could get a, a feed and, and get water. It was so the, the woman could live and her son would live. That's how it works. All right, so sometimes you're in that, that place. So how many of you would say you've received direction? I remember what I was going to say. You, you have received direction um, at many times, you know, you just have a gut feeling about things, okay? You know, before you were saved, they were just gut feelings. After you get saved, you know you, know you can follow the Lord, okay? So you received gut feelings before. So even if it was, it was long ago, all right, it's happened. You've received a direction or a word from God to send you somewhere with a promise only to get there and find there's no provision. You get there and you're like, Lord, I moved here and there's nothing for me. You get to work and you're like, Lord, you told me to quit my job and now I have no job. Right? Or you, you know, you, Lord, you, you told me to step out and do this financially and I got there and it went bankrupt. Okay? These things happen. So you've gone there and there's been no provision and, or, yeah, you got there and had no provision or you had some provision but you need a new word because the river has dried up. Does anybody feel like that would apply to you at any point in your life? Does anybody feel like that right now? Please stand up. If you feel like that right now, please stand up. We're not embarrassing you. I just wanna, we just want to release that off of you. All right, so if you're next to this person, put your hand on them. We're going to do the work of the king. Guys, this is good. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. Let's release this. So you've been in this season. So Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, where the river has dried up, where the widow has no food, wherever you've led us, Lord, we know that you will not forsake us. You will never leave us. You will not even relax your hold on us. And so Father, we speak over every person standing right now that the river would begin to flow or they would have a new word again. And Lord, I ask for signs, wonders, and miracles to happen. And I ask for prophetic utterances, dreams, and visions that they could release into their situation so that the widow would see the glory of God just as much as provision for your child right here, God. And so we release that off of them and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a quick word for them, if you saw something and you're standing by them praying for them, go ahead and tell them that real quick. We're doing good, people. This is the prophetic ministry. Number two, Ezekiel and dry bones. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. We're probably not going to get done. Not even close. 
When you are in these prophetic places, you have no clue what to do and you must draw close to God. So in, in, a, in Elijah's stance, he had the word. He didn't know how it was going to happen. Okay, Ezekiel gets taken to the river of dry, or Valley of Dry Bones. Anybody know this story? He takes, God takes him. It says God led him to the Valley of Dry Bones. So he doesn't have a word. He's got relationship. He's, with, he's following the Lord. So God takes him to the valley of dry bones and he asks Ezekiel, he says, can these dry bones live? Right? Can these dry bones live? And what does Ezekiel say? You know, Lord. You know. Because Ezekiel doesn't have an answer. He doesn't know. He doesn't know why he's at this valley with dry bones. He, he, he gets taken there by the Lord. The Lord asks him a question, can these dry bones live? And, and Ezekiel says, I don't know, but I'm sure you do, right? You know, God knows the answer when he asks you a question. He just wants to be your teacher. He just, he just wants to teach you. So he asks you. He's, he's nice like that. He's not, you know, hard and mean and cruel and dictatorship. That's not how he does it. He's nice. He asks you a question because he wants to teach you. He wants to be your teacher. So you have found yourself in over your head as far as life goes. You're standing in a valley of dry bones and you feel like God has called you to raise an army, metaphorically. Okay? You're standing in this valley. You've been on this journey, but you need God to speak to some dry places but he may be waiting on you to release them so that life can go forth. If you read that passage, Ezekiel says, well, you know, Lord, and God immediately says, all right, speak to them and say what I say and then release my breath into them. And what happens? As he's releasing the word, the, the, the flesh, the bones come together and flesh comes on it, joints come together, everything happens and a mighty army raises up. All right, so some of us come in, in our prophetic walk. We come to this place where we're just in over our head. We have no word. We've just followed God and we ended up in this place and it's a complete dry bone valley. And you just need to know if God can do it. All right? God is wanting to use you. He led you to the valley he knows the answer. He just wants to be your teacher. And instead of complaining, you should be prophesying. How many of you would find yourself standing in the valley and see now that this ter terrible situation that you've gotten into is just an opportunity or could be an opportunity and you would like to see God breathe life so the bones can live? Okay, if that's you, please raise your hand. Okay, okay. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to release this off of you too. We're calling you into a new season, a new life. If you're around them, put your hand on them. Come on, community. This is good work. You're a part of something. Lord, we release these people. God, give them the words. Give them the eyes to see the dry bones as an army risen, Lord. Give them the breath to breathe into the, to the lungs that they may live, God. I speak to their season. I speak to their life and their destiny. And I say that the valley will become an army. You, it was not wasted. The reason he brought you here was to be the change. And so, Father, we speak over them that you will live and not die. You will be blessed and, not pro and, and prosper. You will not be cursed. And Father, we thank you for words and utterance, prophetic dreams and visions. Thank you for divine appointments. Whatever it takes, Lord, we turn our ears, we, we turn our hearts to you and we say, you know, Lord, you know where we're at. You see the circumstances and you are God. And so, Lord, we trust in you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a word, sit by him and just give it to him real quick. Last one. This is the story of Joseph in the path from the pit to the palace. You know Joseph? He's Abraham, or not Abraham's son. Sorry? 
whose son is he? Jacob's son? Jacob's son. Jacob's son. And he, he gets, um, he gets sold by his brothers, or he, he gets thrown in the pit to die, right? And then the, they, they come, the slave traders come and, and take him out of the pit and bring him into the slave labor. Then he finds favor with God, right? He finds favor with God, gets promoted. Then he finds too much favor with Pharaoh's wife, gets thrown in prison, right? Finds favor in the prison, starts running the prison. He said, tells the guy, interprets two other prisoners' dreams, and they're completely correct. And he says, look, when you get out of here, don't forget me. The guy forgets him, leaves him in prison. And then later, what happens? Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream. And Joseph has the interpretation. So he calls up Pharaoh, asks him about the dream. Joseph interprets the dream. And um, he becomes ruler over pretty much everything. Pharaoh literally says, Not, nobody does anything unless you say so, including me. That's what Pharaoh said. That'd be like, that'd be like President Obama calling you tomorrow and saying, look, I trust you. I'm not going to make any decision. Every time they come to me, I'm going to look at you. You give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. We'll decide that way. Right? That's what this is like. These are real stories. This is the Lord. Okay. So his journey was what? My, I'm, my, I'm my father's favorite. I'm in the pit. I'm, I'm, I'm saved by slave traders. Luckily, he didn't die in the pit. That was a blessing. I'm sold into slavery. I'm, I'm promoted, I'm demoted, and I'm on fake rape charges. That's what they were. Pharaoh's wife, jo Joseph would not sleep with Pharaoh's wife, and so they threw him into prison, or they threw him into prison because the, the queen or the wife, whatever you want to call her, said that Joseph tried to take advantage of her. And so he gets thrown into prison, wrongly accused, okay? Gets promoted in prison, gets forgotten about, gets brought up to where he was called to be, from the pit to the palace. But it wasn't a straight line. It wasn't a straight line at all. Right? This is a story of being hurt tremendously, time after time. This is the story of apparent failure. Sometimes more than once you failed. This is a story of lies, defeat, deceit, and abandonment. You know or knew at one point God had a plan, but the ups and downs have made you forget and or doubt. The roller coaster of life keeps you out of focus, and every time you're up on top, you don't even trust it because you know there's a fall coming. But I've got good news. God has called you to the palace. How many of you would like to decide to hold on to Christ as he leads you through the pit and into the palace? How many of you would like to take courage to, the, to brave the waves with faith, knowing that all things work for the good of those who love God? How many of you would like to release your past so you contain the prophetic future that God has for you? How many of you would like to stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the face of the enemy's plan and say, God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow. I will not stay in the pit. I will not stay in the prison. I will not bow to you. I will continue to be blessed whether I'm in lack or excess. If, that, if that's a prophetic season that you feel like you want released onto you, please stand. You've been going through life and it's been kind of a roller coaster. But God is redeeming. Lord, right now, if you're not standing and if you are, put your hand on the person next to you. Lord, right now, we release courage. Isaiah 35, encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble. God, we say, that, we say that the gospel is good news and you will live and not die. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in and blessing going out. You're the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath, going over, not going under. You're blessed beyond measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You're a royal priesthood. You're called to the palace. A people of God's own choosing. And so, Lord, we propel these people. We propel our brothers and sisters 
into the palace with our prayers, God. We say, bless them, Lord. We say, have courage. Don't let the pit stop you. Don't let the prison stop you. Don't let your wife, your husband walking out on you stop you. Don't let your children running away stop you. They will return. There is hope for those who wait on the Lord. And so we take the strength as it comes, Lord, and we wait on you. If we have to wait in the palace, the pit, if we have to wait in the prison, we will serve you. We will not bow. God, even we know that you'll deliver us. We'll tell the enemy, God will deliver us. But even if you didn't, Lord, we'd stay here because we're devoted to you. And we release that in Jesus' name. If you have a word or a picture or something, give that to them real quick. This is good. This is really good. Prophecy calls you out of where you are and into where you're created to be. Grace makes you able for the process. Grace requires faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the preaching. Preaching comes by you. The very nature of living in the kingdom prophetically is to, is to release as you go. You go into all the world and we're not gonna have time to go through this one um, portion. I'm going to have to skip it. That's a shame. I worked a long time. Daniel, how many of you did your homework? Or at least part of it? All right. Daniel, I, 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 on the homework, I, I put on there, read Daniel 1 through 7. Did anybody read Daniel? Did anybody know Daniel? the story at least all right we're gonna go through this super quick yeah you got it all right <clears throat> Daniel 2 Daniel chapter 2 man I was gonna do this awesome teaching on uh, the seven mountains of society and how you're called to infiltrate how we're not called to gather we're called to go and I was gonna talk about how the church is just one mountain and you're called to a mountain. The reason you, you know, you're not leading here is because you're called to. And you're called to be leading wherever you're at. And we're just here to equip you to go. I was going to do this awesome teaching. But you can look up Lance Wallnow, Dr. Lance Wallnow. Okay, that's W-A-L-L-N-A-U. Lance Wallnow. All right. And he does, he does all kinds of amazing teaching. He's all over YouTube. Um, talking about uh, the seven mountains of society and how we're called to infiltrate and uh, all that. And so just so you know, I do want to say this about it, okay? Do not associate the gift with the anointing, okay? They're not the same thing. Everybody has a gift and a calling, but your anointing is different, okay? You have a gift and a calling. Those will never be taken away. Anointing comes whenever you go into... You're, with your gifts and your anointing, you align yourself with the will of God and then the anointing's there. Okay, so when you're in the business place, okay, the mountains are, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and, yeah, give it all, no. Business, there's business mountain, education, okay, government, church, families, media and arts and entertainment, okay, uh, science and medicine, and that's it, isn't it? That's seven, all right? Those are the mountains, okay, and you are affecting one of those mountains, okay? You're affecting one of them, all right? And you're called to, and, and in Isaiah 2, it says, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will become the chief of the mountains and they will stream to it, all right? And they'll come and, and, and there'll be, um, I'm gonna read it because it's good. It's just good. Just say it, it's just good. It's just good. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established of chief of the mountains and will be, will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us. Hmm. They just changed it from, let's go to the house that, and then they said that he, capital H, may teach us, okay, concerning his ways and that we may walk in his path, all right? And then Isaiah 60 one of my favorite passages. I, I correlate them very closely. Arise, uh, uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 2, 2. 
okay? Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah 60. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. His glory, not yours. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Okay? Isaiah 61. It talks about Ezekiel. I'm going super fast. Okay? Ezekiel 47. Just look it up. Okay? This is for you. Look it up. There's this awesome picture of a river, uh, Ezekiel's river. Okay, Ezekiel 47 is Ezekiel's river, and he has this vision, and basically what's happening is water is coming out from under the church, and it's coming under the church door, and he's with this angel, and, he, and the angel's showing him all this stuff, and he's just watching it. And there's, there's water coming out from under the house, and he looks, and the angel measures out a thousand cubits, and, he, and when it turns to a thousand cubits, it goes from ankle deep to knee deep. And then it goes a thousand more and it goes from knee deep to waist deep. And then it goes a thousand more and it goes from waist deep to over his head where he has to swim. Okay, the point of the story is the farther you get out, the greater the miracles. Why? Because when we leave this place, when we gather here, we're all light. And, and we can't even see each other's light because we're just all light. But when you get out there, your light shines and, it's, and, it's, and it seems brighter. It's in the darkness. It's in the darkness. It seems brighter. So the point is you're called out into these mountains, okay? And you're called to bring the light. You're called to bring the change. You're called to bring the hope. And you're called, and so that, so that, and da Joseph and Daniel both received favor to go to that top of the mountain. And what happened? Then the mountain became the Lord's. Why? We don't wrestle flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, in high places. When the devil came to tempt Jesus, he took him up to a mountain and he showed him the world in, his in all its glory and said, I'll give you all of this. He took him to the top because that's where the battle is. All right? You're called. You're highly favored. Believe that. If you don't believe you deserve it, you'll go to work and you'll stay at the bottom of the ladder. Receive your gift from the Lord of favor. Say, I may be doing this job now, but Lord, I know you've blessed me and I have favor to be promoted. He's not afraid to bless you. It's, it's not a bad thing either. It's for the good because when you, if, whenever a person who loves the Lord is on top of the mountain, the whole mountain is dedicated to the Lord. All right, so what happens is the streams, they will stream to the, the mountain of the chief, chief mountain of the house of the Lord. They will, the nations will stream to it. What happens is you go to church, house of the Lord, you get in the stream, go back to your mountain and bring the Lord. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's what he's called you to. All right. Daniel 2. We got to go through. We're not. Get Daniel 2. Anyways, I had a longer version of that, but that was good, right? All right. Daniel 2. That's, by the way, that's living prophetically. That's why... We're talking about it because that is prophetic living. You, you take what God says and you go and you put it on display until it comes about. All right. Daniel 2, second year of King Bel or Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me. Second year of King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? I'm going to go through this super fast. Please go read it. Make sure I'm not lying to you, okay? Second year of King uh, Belshazzar, that's, that's going to be semi-important later. All right, verse 19. Basically, uh, the king has a dream, right? And um, we find out about the dream. And so we find out that it's this dream of a statue and there's these four parts. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. And then we find out that the four kings, in verse 37 through 43, we find out that the four kingdoms that make up the statue are Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and just a fun fact, the Roman Empire was the one that killed Jesus, okay? It's going to matter in a second, okay? So there's these, he, go, he has this dream of this tower, and it's got bronze, and then it's got, it goes down, and, and by the bottom, it's made of clay, and so it's getting weaker, okay? And then we find out in that, that in verse 37 that it's, um, it's, it's actually these four kingdoms, okay? And then in verse 44, this is a great verse, all right? He says, oh, and by the way, uh, Daniel interprets the dream. So that's why it's the story of Daniel. And so 
what's really crazy is the king's like, I had a dream and you need to tell me what it was and what it means. He doesn't even tell him what it was. And Daniel still gets it right. So then in verse 44, so we find out what the dream means. It's basically these four kingdoms, but, and this is what it means. And each kingdom is this, it's, it's blah, 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 Rome. Okay. In, the de- in those days, in the days of those kings, talking about the, the dream, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and a kingdom that will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to the end of all of these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. Hmm, wonder what he's talking about. All right, Daniel 7. Skip over to Daniel 7. We're gonna get this. This is good, yeah? So you get the dream and you get what's happened and you get the word that, that Daniel says. He says, and during those, God is setting up his kingdom. All right? Which will be an everlasting kingdom. Okay. In the first year of, Bel- now this one's in the first year of Belshazzar, Belshazzar, Belshazzar. Daniel has, the, Daniel has this dream. So Daniel actually has this dream before the king has the dream. So this is ultra prophetic, okay? And it actually is like this, the same premise of a dream, okay? So verse one through eight, we see the four beasts. You ever heard of this? There's the four beasts, the, the, the lion with wings, the leopard with wings, the something else, and then the bear with three ribs in his mouth, okay? And he finds out, are, basically they represent the same four kingdoms, Okay, we'll find out in a little bit as the, as the dream that, that a year later, King Neb, 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 uh, Neb, Belshazzar, gosh. All right, where was I? Verse uh, nine, and 12, nine and 10, God enters. Okay, we're gonna read that because that's big. Nine and 10, we're going quick. I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the ancient of days came and took his seat. His vesture was like white snow. His hair on his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. His wheels were a burning fire. A river was flowing from him, coming out before him, a river of fire. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads, myriads, I don't know what that is, were standing before him and the court sat and the books were open. So he has this vision of these four beasts and um, then he sees the Lord come and set up court because he's the judge, right? He comes and sets up court and, he's, and, and, and the books are open at this point. Then I kept looking because the sound of the boastful, uh, the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. Okay, one of the beast has, four, has horns. Okay, and the, the beast is not as important. Okay, we're focusing on the Lord. All right. And I kept looking until the beast was slain. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. And its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. Yeah, as for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed time. How many know the enemy is, has an appointed time? He has a D-Day coming, all right? He's been judged. It says that he was judged, but the rest of him was, was granted life extension for a period of time. So he's been judged. We see that? The court set for judgment. God said, you you're judged, but you know what? I'm gonna leave you here and I'm gonna make a bunch of people that are gonna rule over you, okay? And then he says, verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the cloud of, on the cloud of heaven, one like the son of man was coming. Come on, Jesus. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And, he, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people of nations in every, every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Okay, this is the same dream. During the beast, God was setting up his kingdom. During, at the end, the last, the last, uh, empire was the Roman Empire. It says God was setting up his thing, okay? The Roman killed Jesus, right? He was presented before him. God, Jesus has been presented before God on your behalf, has he not? This is what we're talking about. And dominion, glory, and a kingdom were given to him, okay, that all people might serve him. As for me, Daniel, my, my, my spirit was distressed within me, and my visions in my mind kept alarming me, okay? Skip down to... Uh, I don't know. Let's just keep reading. The exact, I wanted to know the exact meaning of this. So he told me, and he made me know in the interpretation. These four beasts, verse 17, which are in four number, are the four kings which will arise from the earth. So there's where he tells you it's the same dream 
as what happened in Daniel 2, okay? And he says, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom for all ages to come. Well, before it said that the son of man was given, Jesus was given the kingdom. Now it's saying the people of the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom. What's going on here? Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. So he basically wants to know what's happening with that one beast, all right? With the one with 10 horns. And um, this is all prophetic. If you're prophetic, you love this. If you're not, you're asking all kinds of questions, okay? I don't have time. I would, but I don't have time. I, okay, so he asked him, and he says, these are four, ten kings that rise up, blah, blah, blah. I kept looking, and the horn was raging war against the saints and overpowering them. Say, boo, boo, all right? Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was passed, and passed in the favor of the saints of the highest one and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom yay, yay! And, and so what happened was it's just re-explaining okay the, the 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 horn was waging war on the saints and he was winning boo until until that the court sat and god passed favor in the saints of the highest one how many of you know in colossians it says that every decree against you was canceled because of the cross the same word, the court, set. You're putting this together. Whew. Verse 23 to 25, he retells the beast and what he does. He just talks about how he'll, you know, try to do all these things. And, okay, verse 26 and 27 reiterates that the court will sit for judgment. Okay, but the court will sit for judgment. He keeps coming back for this. And dominion, this hasn't happened. This is looking this way to where we're at. He says, but the court sat for judgment and his dominion was taken away. Talking about the beast. Annihilated and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty of the, all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. And his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And all the dominions will serve and obey him. So the question is, when did this happen? It said, until the court sat. When did you receive the kingdom? If those things happen, can't happen until you do, then it would be nice to know when that happened. When we start, stopped losing and started winning. I would like to propose to you that Jesus gives us many answers through the scriptures. Colossians 2.14 tells you the decrees were canceled. Matthew 16.28 says, there, see, there are those here who will not taste death until they see the man coming in his kingdom this <laughs> that's going to be the word of choice by the way this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony and then the end will come when jesus saw the man he answered him intelligently and said you are not far from thee jesus said i must preach thee to to of god to the other cities for i also have been sent for this purpose heal those who are sick these are all different scriptures heal those who are sick and tell them the of God has come near you but seek first thee and all these things will be added to you little flock do not fear for God has gladly chosen to give you this is good right truly I say to you one is born unless one is born again he cannot see thee unless he is born of water and of spirit he cannot enter thee he is he presented himself alive after his suffering talking about Jesus and he's speaking of thee of God. Paul entered the synagogue. Do I need to keep going? Acts 2, 20, 25. I know that among you, when I was with you, preaching the kingdom. Colossians 1, 13. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his marvelous light. Hebrews 12, 28. Since we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer an acceptable service and reverence to, and all for our God is a consuming fire. I would like to propose to you right now that the God of Daniel, of whom it says controlled the times and changing of epic seasons, when he, set, when he sent Jesus to hang on the cross and judgment was passed in your favor, not only did it release you from judgment, but Jesus, when Jesus died, you were welcomed into the kingdom. And all of creation is waiting for you to release the kingdom. The cross restored your commission to go into all the earth, be fruitful and multiply and subdue it by taking dominion, spreading the kingdom and carrying the glory of God. It wasn't just for salvation. 
salvation was a means into the kingdom. The cross speaks of his death, but his resurrection speaks of your eternal life. Now go into all the world and know that he can now be with you and in you always. Prophetically, this is your call. To carry the kingdom into all the mountains of society. But you can't do it if you're not prophetic. Because you'll get there and the water will be dried up and you'll go home frustrated. You're called to release the kingdom. Amen? It's a good word? Okay. I'm going to trust that it was a good word. Let's pray because we've got to be done here. Father, we thank you for the kingdom of God that you have welcomed us. You changed the season when Jesus hung on the cross. And now we carry your kingdom and prophetically, God, we receive it and take it into our mountain, our society. We take our influence and we go from the church into society. And God, we know that you said that you will make your house the chief of the mountains. So God, we believe that. We don't believe that everything has to go terrible for you to come back. You said that we would carry your glory, your dominion, and your kingdom. And so, God, we receive that in Jesus' name.